I want to uh, welcome you to Grace Church. My name is Justin Ross. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online. And it is officially spring. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was in a moment there. It's spring. I'm so excited about it. Uh, we actually went uh, for spring break. We were able to sneak down to Phoenix, got to see my oldest boy. We got to soak in some sun rays. So I am ready for some sunshine. And so I'm excited that spring is here. And uh, today we are continuing our message series called Vantage Point. And what we're doing in this message series is we're looking at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ through the lens of different people that were there from different perspectives, um, from different vantage points. And uh, today we're in part three of this series called Vantage Point. And today we're looking at the cross from the eyes or from the perspective of a thief. And uh, I I trust and I I believe that God's going to speak to you through this message this morning. And uh, there's a lot to learn and a lot to be gained. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to see the transformation of a man in real time. Okay, We're going to see a man transformed like in a, in a very short time frame, and I believe it's going to be very powerful for us to experience this morning. So I want to start by asking you a question this morning. And the question is this, how valuable is a soul? How valuable is a soul? Like if you could put a price tag on someone's soul, like what would be the price to pay for that soul? How valuable is someone's soul? And the the second question I kind of want to follow up with that is, what would God be willing to pay to rescue a soul? Like, what would God be willing to pay to rescue your soul? A man, a woman, a child's soul, how valuable is it? What I want to do this morning is I want to start by giving you a little bit of an object lesson, all right? It's officially spring, so let's have a little fun in church, all right? What do you say, all right? Um, We're going to start with a little object lesson this morning, and it's going to help us understand um, our worth, our value in the eyes of God, all right? So what I need this morning is I need a volunteer, all right? Anybody willing to come up here, stand next to me? That's all you have to do is stand here. Are you willing to volunteer? Anybody want to raise your hand? Anybody want to raise your hand? Okay, how about if I throw 20 bucks, all right? 20 bucks if you come up and volunteer, all right? Caleb Beck in the back there, come on up, buddy. Come on. Oh, Devin. Oh, man, sorry, Devin. Missed you there. All right, Caleb Beck. Let's give Caleb a round of applause, all right? All right, Caleb. This is Caleb Beck, and uh, let's give him another round of applause, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, there you go. There you go. Everybody's cheering for you. Caleb. All right. So this is 20 bucks, man. You want this? Yeah. Okay. I, I was hoping that was going to be your answer. All right. So uh, let me ask, what, what do you think, or what would you buy if I gave you this 20 bucks? Like what's something you would buy? Food. food. What, what kind of food? Junk food. Man after my own heart right there. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Some junk food. All right. So $20 worth of junk food it's a pretty good stack of junk food there, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Okay, so I got this $20 bill here, all right? And uh, I just crumpled it up into this little tiny green ball now. You still want this $20 bill? Yeah. Dude, I just crumpled it up, man. 
it's still, still worth something? Okay. Even though I crumpled it up, you still think it would buy the same amount of candy? Junk food? Yeah? All right. I just stomped all over that $20 bill, man. You still want that $20 bill, Caleb? Like, I don't know what was on the bottom of my shoes. I have to be honest, all right? You're sure you want it? All right. What if I was to take this little Sharpie here, and this is a President Jackson, all right? And I was just to write, I'm going to draw a little mustache on President Jackson. Nobody turn me in, please, all right? So, So even though I've crumpled up this $20 bill, even though I've stomped on it, and now I've written on it, you still want it. And it would still buy the same amount of junk food that it, that it would when it was crisp and smooth and, and somewhat clean. Okay? Let's give Caleb a round of applause. All right, all right. Good job, Caleb. You can go ahead and go back to your seat, buddy. All right. I'm just kidding, Caleb. Come here, buddy. <laughs> I'm just kidding, buddy. You can have that $20 man. All right, let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> That's awesome. Ah. Uh, Caleb, you are a nice young man. Like, you were going to go back, and you weren't even going to ask me for the 20. That was, I have a lot of respect for you, buddy. I would have been a little upset if the guy called me up and then didn't give me the $20 bill. So, uh, the object lesson was pretty obvious. Wouldn't you agree? Like, even though it was crumpled up, stomped on, and written on, it didn't lose its purchasing power. It was still able to buy the same amount of junk food as it would have been able to buy when it was smooth and crisp and clean. Today, we're going to learn about a man who lived a nasty life. We're going to learn about a man who, uh, you could say, life crumbled him up. Life stomped on him, and a bunch of people had completely written him off, so much so that he was crucified on a cross right next to Jesus Christ. So I want to pick up the story. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 27, and I want us to read this story about this thief on the cross. And we're going to start in verse 35 of Matthew chapter 27. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't have a Bible, that is okay. We would love to give you a Bible today. All right, if, if after the service, if you go to the connect table in the lobby, just ask for a Bible. We would love to give you a Bible of your own, completely free. We just want you to know God's word. And uh, we're going to have the verses up on the screen. And for those of you watching online, they're going to be on your screen as well. So Matthew chapter 27, and let's begin reading in verse 35. It says, after they nailed Jesus to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read, this is Jesus king of the Jews. Verse 38. Two revolutionaries, or other translations say criminals, were crucified with him, one on the right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at Jesus. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the Son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross, verse 41. The leading priests, the 
teachers of religious law and the elders, okay, the religious leaders of that day. Like, try to picture this with me. They also mocked Jesus. He saved others. They scoffed, but they, he can't even save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Verse 44. Even the revolutionaries, even the criminals who were crucified with him, ridiculed him in the same way. All right, so I think we really need to understand the full weight of this. Okay, there's a criminal on his left. There's a criminal that's being crucified on his right. And Matthew tells us that they were both ridiculing Jesus. They were joining in with the crowd of people and they were mocking Jesus, ridiculing him. They were joining in with the crowd. These two criminals being crucified along Jesus. They are ridiculing Jesus along with everyone else. And I want us to understand, I guess, the, as much as I can, the full weight of this. What does it mean to ridicule someone? Ridicule means to dismiss someone. I would say it's like the, it's like the lowest form of verbally abusing someone. It's, you're actually dismissing them. You're, you're pretending like they don't even exist, that they have no abilities, no talents, no powers. Like you're, you're dismissing that individual, you're saying, ah, oh, he doesn't even have the power to save himself, let alone anyone else. I mean, they were dismissing the power of the Son of God, and he's being crucified right next to them and right in front of them. They ridiculed. They dismissed his power. Now, just imagine with me for just a moment how that must have felt to Jesus, knowing that he had all power. And he could have snapped his fingers. He could have done something, and everything would have changed, but he withheld that power. See, both criminals were ridiculing Jesus just like everyone else. But something happens. Something happens in the heart of one of the criminals. And I want us to, to read what happens here. Let's, let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 23. So we were in Matthew. You're going to turn a couple books um, uh, to your right and go to Luke. Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 32. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed Jesus to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Just a little side note. I think sometimes when you see a picture of the crucifixion of Jesus, you see a picture of what, what an artist kind of thought in his or her mind of what Jesus looked like on a cross. Usually there's a loincloth, right? Um, which is appropriate for that painting. But in the Roman day, Jesus is hanging there completely naked. All right, so let's, let's just be truthful. Let's be honest about what's really happening here. He is completely naked. They're gambling over his clothes. They're rolling dice, which was a prophecy that was foretold in the Old Testament. Verse 35. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. 
Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. That'd be kind of nice. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So so my question is, is what happened from Matthew to Luke? What happened in the heart of this criminal? Like, Like, think about this with me. One of... One criminal was observing how Jesus responded to the abuse, all right? So there's a criminal that's hanging on a a cross to the right side of Jesus, and he is mocking and ridiculing and dismissing the power of Jesus. But then something changes. Something changes. He, He begins to really observe how Jesus is responding to the ridicule. So people would come up and spit on him, and Jesus wouldn't return the spit, the saliva. People would walk by and curse at him, and Jesus wouldn't curse back. People were coming in and calling him all kinds of foul things, and Jesus wasn't responding in rage and anger. And he's thinking to himself as he's hanging next to Jesus, my gosh, this is unusual. Like, what in the world? Like, I, I'm, I've never seen someone respond this way. There's something different about this guy. You see, what happened is the criminal on the right side of Jesus, he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Like, he experienced the true living Son of God, he saw something that he wanted. That's something that I I would preach again and again and again, is you need to have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. When you see Jesus for who he really is, the son of the living God, you will want what Jesus has. That's what happened to the criminal that was hanging to the right. So he was watching Jesus respond to the abuse and the ridicule, and he realized this isn't normal. Like, Why wasn't Jesus angry? Why wasn't he yelling back at the crowd? Kind of like in a movie, you know, if they panned over to the criminal that's on the left side, as people came and spit on him, he would return the spit, you know? When people cursed at him, he would curse back. And he was responding like most people did when they were hanging on a cross. And then... This criminal on the right heard something. Like, did I hear this man, Jesus? Did he just say, Father, forgive them? For they don't know what they do? I don't know about you, but man, this is so challenging to me. Because I'm observing a culture in which we live where there is so much division 
I'm, I'm living in a culture, I'm living in a time where there is so much hatred, so much anger. People cursing at each other because their views are a little bit different. And yet we see a man who has been beaten to where the scripture says people, his closest friends couldn't even recognize him. That's how badly he was beaten. He's, he's paying the price for the sins of the world, so he has quite a weight on his shoulders. If there was anyone who had the right to be a little bit grumpy, it was Jesus. But yet, he responds by saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's challenging. It's challenging. See, the criminal on the left, he he also wanted to be delivered, but he wanted deliverance from his present situation. The criminal on the right, he actually was able to look down the road a little bit further, and he realized that there's more to this life. This life is not all there is. There is a life to come. And he realized that he needed help. He needed redemption. He needed deliverance from an eternal problem that he had. Not just a temporary problem, but an eternal problem. You see, many people want Jesus to deliver them from their current problems, but they don't understand that Jesus really wants to deliver you, wants to deliver them from an eternal problem. The criminal on the right, he wanted delivered from his sins, and he said, Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom You see, the the first criminal thought Jesus could fix his temporary problems, but the second thief saw that Jesus could fix his eternal problem. And this man evidently believed in the resurrection because he knew that Jesus was going to die. I mean, my gosh, he has like a really close encounter. He's looking at Jesus in his final moments of life, and so he knew that Jesus was going to die. But he, he, he knew something. He said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. He knew that Jesus was going to rise again. See, the first criminal went along with all the noise and kind of got caught up in all the noise that was happening and was just ridiculing Jesus and and wasn't able to see beyond the noise. While the other criminal based his decision on faith in Christ rather than the opinion of the masses... And this thief that was on the right, (laughs) I mean, this is such a beautiful picture because, my gosh, this thief had nothing to offer Jesus. He wasn't able to climb down from the cross and go do some good works, you know? Like, if you come from a background where you think, man, when I get to heaven, there's going to be this big giant scale and and my good deeds are going to be put on one side and the things I did wrong were going to be put on the other and we're going to see which one weighs outweighs the other. Like this is a beautiful example in Scripture that that is not how it's going to work. This this criminal on the right, throughout his lifetime, had probably made more wrong decisions than right decisions. I mean, life had crumbled him up, had stomped on him, and people had written him off. But he knew he needed something to meet his eternal need. The the question I want to ask you this morning is, 
Which side of the cross are you on? Which side of the cross are you on? Are you, and when you look at Jesus, you look at his life, you look at his example, are you like, man, I, I actually, I, I love what I see, I, I want what Jesus has, or are you kind of on this side where, man, you're just responding to basically everything the world throws at you, you're responding with hatred and anger, and man, you're just going to give it back to the world as much as they're giving it to you, and your way is best, and you know best, and you're going to continue to just ridicule Jesus. There's no such thing as a God, you know. Like, which, which side of the cross are you on? A thief on the right side realized that I can't fix myself. I need a redeemer. I, I need something outside of myself. A thief on the right was broken. He was beaten. Life had stomped on him, crumbled him up. He had done more wrong than good in his life. But in that moment, once again, he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ and he saw Jesus for who he really was. He saw Jesus as the living God. So I I go back to the original question this morning. How valuable is a soul? How valuable is a soul? Like, we do this all the time, right? Like, we, we look at the exterior, and we kind of evaluate, and we judge, and we profile, and we do all this and that. And, and we would say, man, that thief's soul, I don't know if it was as valuable as that person that looked like they had it all together, and they had done more right than wrong throughout their life. But Jesus just answered the question that the, the value of a soul, you know, if, if you could put a price tag on that thief's soul, the price tag would have said the life of Jesus. Like that was the price tag that had to be paid for that thief's soul to be redeemed, to be rescued. How much would God pay to rescue a soul? How valuable was the soul of that thief? It was so valuable, the price was Jesus' life. So Jesus died for the forgiveness of a thief in that moment. I think it's it's such a beautiful picture of the heart of our God. He's dying right next to an outcast, someone that society has completely written off. And yet in that moment, Jesus redeemed a thief, a criminal. Do you know what Jesus said after that dirty crumbled up thief, the one who had been mocking him just a few moments before. Okay, just a few moments earlier, he was mocking Jesus along with everyone else. You know what Jesus said to that man after? He said, hey, remember me when you go into your kingdom. Look at Luke 23, 43. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. The thief repented and Jesus forgave and rescued his soul right then and right there. Listen, it doesn't matter how broken you may feel, how crumbled up your life is, or how much you have been stomped on in life. It doesn't matter how many people have written you off. Your life has no less value than the one who seems to do no wrong. 
Your life, your soul has no less value than the one that has it all together. Your soul was so valuable that Jesus gave his life. So which side of the cross are you on? Have you, like the thief, realized that you cannot fix yourself, that you need a redeemer? I guess if there's a message that I'm trying to communicate today, it is this. There is no one that is beyond hope. No one. No one is beyond hope. So I want to encourage you to be like the thief on the right and ask Jesus to remember you. Ask Jesus to rescue you. You know, when Jesus was hanging there on the cross, and every breath that he took was just a, it was just a process of pain. He was demonstrating sacrificial, selfless love. And while he was in tremendous agony, when you read the Gospels, it tells us that Jesus was, was thinking about others. When he was in tremendous agony, about to die, he made sure that his mother was taken care of. He made sure that his mother had accommodations, and he told the disciples, make sure my mom is taken care of. When others were mocking him and dismissing his power, I mean, basically cutting him as, as, as deep as you could be cut. He interceded for them, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And when most of us would have focused on our pain, I know I would have. I'd be like, can I please die, like right now? When most of us would have focused on our pain, he noticed a spiritually destitute man next to him that needed rescue that needed redemption. And he said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Even though he was a criminal, even though his life had been crumbled up, stumped on, and everyone had written him off, Jesus saw value in him. No one is beyond hope. You are so valuable, Jesus gave his life for you. And so I want to encourage you, your response should be to give your life back to Jesus as an act of worship. Like that's like the least I could do, is to just give my life back to him in return. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for this example of someone that society had completely written off but you saw incredible value in him. I pray that you would just remind each and every one of us when we leave this place, when we go to lunch, when we go shopping, when we go home, when we go to work this next week, like every person that we encounter, you gave your life for that person. Every person that we encounter has value, extreme value. Help us not to be a people that just writes people off. Lord, help us to to find the value in people, to to love people. Help us to be about the other. And what a great example of Jesus. Even when we're having a bad day and we're grumpy and just things haven't gone like we thought they should go, Lord, help us to to rise above that and and to, to love people well. Thank you for your grace. It's deep enough. 
Thank you for your forgiveness. It's wide enough. Thank you for your mercy. It's high enough for all of our screw-ups, for all of our failures. Man, thank you for this example that we were able to learn from today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.